Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And it's Friday. That means it's time for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan calling you. I'm just driving down the 101, listening to really cool music. Can you hear this? Oh, there's nothing there. Okay, anyhow. Um, you know, I told my mom that I made a, a, a car out of spaghetti, and she didn't believe me. You should have seen her when I drove past us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Gotta love Duff for delivering no matter what, no matter where he is. Uh, pasta. Past her. Pa- get it? Uh, yeah. Thanks, Duff. I was actually in Los Angeles earlier this week, and I met up with Duff to talk about his new solo record, Tenderness. You hear that on Talk is Jericho soon. His new album is out May 31st, and his tour starts in the States on May 30th. He's going to Europe later on in the summer as well with Shooter Jennings. DuffOnline.com has all the ticket info, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So I'm excited for you to hear Duff talking all about tenderness and what he wants to do to try and help uh, help uh, homeless people in the United States. Duff is a great guy with uh, great jokes sometimes, uh, but talk about great. Today I've got a third-generation wrestler who didn't decide to pursue a career in the ring until she was in college. She's one of my favorite performers in the business today. I'm talking about Tessa Blanchard. She's daughter of WWE Hall of Famer Tully Blanchard, stepdaughter of Magnum TA, uh, granddaughter to uh, Joe Blanchard. She's third generation, like we said. She's currently wrestling for Impact Wrestling. And on Access TV's WOW, Women of Wrestling, uh, we heard from uh, David McLean and uh, Abilene Maverick a few months ago from WOW. Uh, Tess is also the stunt double uh, uh, in the movie about Paige's life fighting with my family. We talked about that. She does all the wrestling in that movie and tells the story about how she got the gig, even though she's not with WWE. She's talking about her intergender match with Brian Cage, which is really good. I enjoyed it. Having the first ever women's match in China with Abilene Maverick, her first ever WWE tryout, and how it's been more difficult for her to make it in wrestling because of her name. Uh, it was more of a detriment than a, than a positive thing. Great conversation. Let's get to it. Tessa Blanchard right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right. So um, I've been waiting to talk to Tessa Blanchard for a long time. And um, there's certain people that when I see them for the first time on a show that grab my eye and it's like your work and your presence and all that stuff. It's like you're one of my favorite performers now. And uh, it's good finally to meet you in person, face to face. Oh, it's good to meet you too. That's so cool to hear you say that. No, it really is. I mean, it's funny because Don Callis uh, from Impact, the the boss of Impact, whatever you want to call him, he was telling me that you know we signed Tessa, we signed Tessa. I'm like, that's really cool. He goes, you got to see her. She's like a star. And it's funny because it's like out of nowhere, kind of, because I'd heard maybe your name, but now it's like you're everywhere. How long have you been wrestling for? It seems like over the last year you've just exploded. Yeah, in December it was five years. Hmm. And this past year has been like the best year for me. I think just signing with Impact and I made like a lot of hard decisions and said no to some things. And when I started wrestling, I always said that I wanted to become the most versatile wrestler that I could be. I wanted to go everywhere and learn all the different styles and wrestle everyone. That way one day I can beat the best and I can call myself the best. Because my dream is always... It's been to not be good. I want to be great. I don't Mm. want to be passable. I want to be one of the best in the world one day. And so I feel like that's kind of what I did by signing to Impact is I'm honing my skill and kind of learning my style and learning from people like Dawn and Gail and Jimmy and people who are so knowledgeable, in my opinion. So Mm. and it's helping me. It's interesting because people are all talking about. You know, uh, now it's AEW and, and Ring of Honor, and but Impact over the last year has really improved in huge strides, and I think one of the reasons is by signing some some key talent uh, with you being kind of on that list. What was it that made you sign with Impact? You know, if if you would have asked me where I would be in if I would be where I am now today, I like a year ago, I wouldn't have said this. Mm-hmm. I had a completely different dream for myself. I had my tryout with WWE pretty early on in my career. I was less than a year into wrestling. I didn't even own a pair of gear. Wow. Like, I I knew a hip toss and a lockup. Well, tell us about that. How did you you get a tryout so early on? So I guess it all kind of starts because when I was 18, I got kicked out of my house. I lived on my own for a year. Mm -hmm. I lived in downtown Charlotte, worked in a nightclub. um, And I was kind of hanging out with the wrong group of people. And then... One day I remember just waking up and I was like, Tessa, what are you doing? What do you want to do? I was in college uh, for a business degree 
And I was like, I am not a nine to five person. It's just not me. Mm-hmm. And my dream was always musical theater before wrestling. But then I remember I was sitting in my room in Charlotte and I was like, what are you doing? And I remember my dad was inducted in 2012 in the Hall of Fame. And yeah, we had totally all, Blanchard, yeah. we'd all gone to Miami, my brother, sisters and I, and I, they were really interested in like going to the beach and checking out like all the sites in Miami. And I really wanted to like go to the radio interviews and wake up at 5 a.m. and go just hear Arn and my dad talk about everything. And it just it was awesome to me. And then uh, we got on the bus to go to the Hall of Fame and we were coming off at the American Airlines Arena and everyone just lined up is screaming for the four horsemen. And I'm like, God, my dad was a superstar. Mm -hmm. This is so cool. Fast forward. I'm in Charlotte. I'm sitting in my room and I'm like, Tessa, what are you doing? What do you want to do? And I looked up a wrestling school. I don't know why, but I just looked up a wrestling school and I found out High Spots was 20 minutes from where I lived at the time. And they had wrestling classes on Tuesday nights. So I go to High Spots, just unannounced. I just show up, makeup, dress nice, high heels. Not how you show up to wrestling school. Um, <laughs> well, and if you want to make an impression, it might be the exact way to show up to wrestling yeah, school, maybe. right? But I, I go into Michael Bakukio's office and I'm like, hey, I'm Tessa and I want to be a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he took me to the back warehouse and it was Cedric Alexander, George South, Caleb Conley, and a few local talents in the ring. And they let me watch. And then George was like, get in here. So I changed my clothes. I get in the ring. He lets me hit the ropes a few times and bump around a few times. And I'm like, God, this hurts, but I love this. Mm -hmm. And I I just, I loved it. So five, six, seven days a week, Cedric and I would go to the ring from 6 p.m. until 2 or 3 in the morning sometimes and just wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And I would drive to every wrestling show that I could. And I would drive 14 hours to Whitehall, New York, sleep in the back of my grandpa's van and get paid 50 bucks just so I could set up the ring, set up the chairs and turn around and drive right back just Mm. just to be around wrestling. I loved it. And I I just did that. I took every opportunity that I could and just seized every opportunity that I could. I think when I started wrestling, I didn't really anticipate how hard locker rooms would be. Mm. I thought they would be a lot more inviting than they were. What do you mean as far as like the the cattiness or? or... I think so a little bit. I've on numerous different occasions, I've had people tell me, you know, like you're only here, you're only booked because of your name or because of your dad or because of who you're dating or because of this, any exception except for hard work. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I I wanted to work extra hard. I wanted to go to the ring for all the hours. That way I put in the time and I'm able to back it up. So when people made those statements, there's no validity to it. I could be like, no, you, I work hard. And and that's what that's what I've been doing. And so. I WWE contacted me to do one of those Raw and SmackDown extra spots. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So so I went. It was uh, the Greenville and Greensboro loop. And the Monday Raw, we got there. William Regal talked to us. And he was like, hey, guys, we're going to do promos and matches tomorrow. Anyone who wants to have one, they can. And we're like, great. It was me, one of my friends, Chastity Taylor, and two other uh, girls. We were, there were only four girls there. And her and I were very green. So we talked to them and we're like, hey, maybe we could like pair up and we'll have a pretty decent match. It'll be great. And they were like, well, actually, we're going to work each other and y'all can work each other Mm because we've worked each other before. So we were like, okay. So Chastity and I stayed up all night, pushed the mattresses of our hotel together, like (laughs) trying to put together some some match. I didn't even have gear, like nothing. I had never lifted a weight in my life. Nothing. Had you even had a match yet? This was my first match. Oh, wow. But what's funny about this, and I haven't told many people this story just because like it's how everything comes full circle for me. Mm-hmm. So my dad and my stepdad had their I quit match at Starcade 85 in the Greensboro Coliseum. Let me say your stepdad is Magnum T.A. Yes. that's We'll talk about that in a second. Right. <laughs> so Tully and, and Magnum had their I quit match in the same arena. In the same arena wow. that I had my first ever match in. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> that's yeah. just crazy. And in the moment, I didn't even realize it until after the fact. And I'm like, just mm-hmm. the world has like a weird way of... Mm-hmm how things play out right but, but yeah i don't know well, I, how did the match go oh god it was awful <laughs> i don't even want to see it i'm sure their hard cam was going i'm sure it's yeah. somewhere i never want to see it it was so embarrassing well, what kind of feedback did you get from it i didn't tell them that it was my first match mm. i didn't tell them that i was borrowing another girl's gear i didn't tell them anything so then when they called me back to do extra spots uh scott armstrong and joey mercury were in catering and he was like tessa come talk to me for a second and I'm like, hey, guys, by the way, that was my first match, just so you know. Like, that was my very first ever match. He goes, what? Why didn't you tell us that? That explains so much. Thank you. And then Scott got me my tryout at the PC. And so I went there. I did my tryout. And 
it was one of the most physically trying things I've ever done in my entire life. Because it's not so much wrestling that you have to do. They make you do a lot of different drills and physical, you know, type of things. Like how many squats can you do or rolls or whatever, right? I think they literally blow you up to where you can only work on instinct and see how far you can go from Mm. there. It was insane. But I thought I thought I did a great job. And then mind you, I still I've. I've looking back, I never lifted a weight in my life. I'm not like the athlete that I am today at this point, but I thought I was going to get signed. I thought, man, it's going to happen for me now. Um, and then it didn't, I didn't get signed. And I was just like, oh. and there were so many times where I was called to go do, do a match or something. And I would drive eight or nine hours from North Carolina to Orlando just to go do the NXT extra spots and then get there and nothing. Mm. And it would just like, it break my heart every time. But I was, I was very young then, but I don't know. I think where I am now, like looking back, I'm really glad that things didn't happen for me that quickly. Cause I don't think that I'd be the woman that I am today or the athlete that I am today. If I had gone and gotten signed right away, I'm really glad that it didn't because now I've gotten to make history in my own way, in a way I've had the freedom to make history in uh, ways that kind of matter to me, mm-hmm. like me and Barbie Hayden, we got to go to China and have the first ever women's match to be televised in TV in China in history. We have gotten to go to Australia and Mexico and Japan and wrestle some of the people that I consider to be the best in the world. And I think that's really helped me. And I've learned a lot from these people who my dad always says, like, if you want to be great, you need to wrestle people that are great and be around people and travel with people that are great and only have those select few people that you actually let pour into your mind and you listen and so that's it's, what I've been it's doing. It's kind of the same way that that like guys from from my generation, you're talking about Eddie Guerrero or Benoit or Dean or, or even myself from Mysterio, we went to all these different companies and countries before we even got to the big leagues in the states, and that just made us more rounded performers, and not just in ring experience, but life experience too. Yeah. You learn so much more about uh, about yourself as a person and how to get along and get around in the world. Oh, I agree. I'm 23 now, and I feel I feel a little bit older. Um, <laughs> Grizzle old vet. No, no way. <laughs> but I still I still love it. I'm still having fun, and that's one thing that I never want to leave. I think is the fun, mm-hmm. and that's what I enjoy about Impact too. Is I have the freedom to just have fun and work with our agents and uh, the different talents and just have fun mm-hmm. and play with our storylines and our characters and just have fun. I love it. Let me ask you a couple questions. That you, that when you were growing up, um, and obviously you mentioned Tully Blanchard is your dad and Magnum is your stepdad. Did you ever think about being a wrestler when you were a kid? Oh, never. Yeah. Um, I remember my grandpa used to tell me like- Your grandpa I... was a wrestler too. Yes. Promoter, wrestler. So you're, you're third generation. Yes. He was Joe um, Blanchard, correct? Joe Blanchard. Yeah. He ran Southwest Championship Wrestling, brought the very first wrestling to cable television. Mm. I think it's so cool because my grandpa doesn't get a lot of credit for- how big he really was and a lot of the things that he really did back in the territory days. What, what part of the country was that? In Texas. Okay. Uh, around like San Antonio. Okay, gotcha. San yeah. Blanche was San Antonio area. Yeah. Okay, so your grandfather used to tell you. Different stories and stuff. And it really, it wasn't even until 2012 where I kind of, the seed got planted where maybe this is something I might want to do. I always wanted to do musical theater. Right. That's All through yeah. like my childhood growing up. My mom was on Broadway as Annie. Mm. And so just my whole family is very theatrical. Right. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. I always wanted to do musical theater. And then I don't know what it was, but something just changed. And I was like, I want to be a wrestler. And it's kind of cool because I can kind of incorporate the two, I guess. Well, that's what um, it is. Yeah. Right. It's the show business element of the character. And yeah. Stuff. And I love did, it. Did you not tell Tully or Magnum that you wanted to be a wrestler? Because you said you were going to high spots. Was that what you, so, did you not think about just saying, Hey dad, can you show me how to do this? So when I left home, I hadn't talked to my family for an entire year. Oh. Um, and at this point, like my phone number was changed everything. I hadn't talked to anyone in my family. Mm. We just, there was a lot of things going on. Um, my mom was a really bad alcoholic mm. and there's just a lot of tension in our family. And I kind of went behind their backs to go talk to Michael at high spots. And I was training there for a few months before I remember I was in the ring with Cedric at the time and Michael came in the back warehouse and he was like, Hey, Tessa, come talk to me for a second. And I didn't know what was happening. Cause if Michael comes in the back and pulls someone out of training, like something's up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go talk to Michael and he was like, you can't train here anymore. And I was like, what, why? 
And he's like, yeah, you can't train here anymore unless you let your dad know because I didn't realize that your family doesn't know you're training here. I know your dad. This could be a problem. And I was like, wait, stop. Like, I'll I'll handle it. Don't Mm. worry. I'll handle it. So that's kind of how I started talking to my family again, too. So I called my stepdad and they lived in Charlotte, too. They lived about 25, 30 minutes away at the time. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm training to be a wrestler. And I don't think they really took me seriously. um, But I was like, "I'd, I'd love if you came and checked it out. So the next Tuesday came around and they didn't show up. But the Tuesday after that, it was my stepdad and my little brother came and I'm in the ring training and I see them roll in and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. All right, Cedric, let's do our thing. Let's just do our thing because him and I just knew each other so well and we could just get in there and just roll around and it was great. And I remember and it's this is like a. I don't know. It's a cool story for me because I always do the undeniable thing on social media and I like undeniable hashtag undeniable. This is where it comes from kind of because uh, so after we're done rolling around, my stepdad came up to the turnbuckle and I, I like crouched down and I was like, what'd you think? And he was like, well, you're not good, but you have it. He goes, now you have to go out there and you have to become undeniable. And he told that to me and that just stuck with me because I was like, no, I'm not good, but I, I, you know, I can be. I was like, I know that I can be great. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be good. I don't want to be passable. I want to be one of the best in the world one day. And I was like, it may not, it, I might not be with a certain company and it might take time and I might have to go to a bunch of different places and struggle for a little bit, but I know that I can be. Mm. And I think that kind of just stuck with me. And so that's kind of been like my fire just all over through the Indies is I want to go everywhere. I want to do everything. I want to wrestle everyone. I want to be the most versatile. I want to know every style so that I can just change. I'm just so hungry for it. Mm. And I know, like, I believe in myself so much. I know that I can be. So I, had, <laughs> no, I don't know. It just stuck with me. Yeah. And and you mentioned that you, you hadn't trained at all as far as lifting weights and all this sort of yeah. stuff. When did the switch go off that you wanted to, I guess, start training? Because you're very like a like a like a powerhouse now for the women's <laughs> division, right? I did a seminar with Mickey James and Magnus in Virginia and, and Bill DeMott mm-hmm. in Virginia. Was Magnus, and, uh, Nick Aldis? Yes, okay. Nick Aldis. Um, I did their seminar. Uh, and I drove down to or up to Richmond, Virginia, and it was like a two or three day seminar, I believe. And we're doing the workouts. Nick Nick led all the workouts, and I had great lower body strength, but just like push ups and pull ups, um, upper body things I was just real bad at. And I remember Nick pulled me aside and he was like, "You've got to get your upper body strength up. You've got to," and just pressed on the importance of it. And since then, I was like, "All right, I can do it. If I set my mind to something, damn it, I'll do it." And I just, I talked to him about the story because I don't think he remembered, um, but I told him about it. And I was like, that was huge for me because I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be one of the strongest. I'm going to be the most in shape wrestler. I'm going <laughs> to, I want to do it. If I do something, it doesn't matter if it's waiting tables in school, taking notes or wrestling. I want to be the best. And if I'm not, damn that's it, a good I'm way to be. be. I mean, that's the only way to be. Yeah. You know, so what did you do? Was it a matter of diet or was it like powerlifting type of stuff? Or? I started learning how to diet. I YouTubed a bunch of workout videos because I didn't really know how to work out. I didn't know how to do my arms and then my shoulders, then my back, then my chest, then my legs. I didn't know that was. And I feel like that's a lot of people's issue is they don't really know how. And then they don't. It's kind of embarrassing for some people to like have to humble themselves and like figure out or ask or go in that part of the gym. But now, like, I own that part of the gym. Like, mm-hmm. I'm there and like no one's going to tell me anything. But I don't know. I, just, I YouTubed a bunch of videos and then I had a few friends who I'd go work out with and I just learned how to focus on my dis- different muscle groups. And my stepdad always tell me, he was like, you don't have to be strong, you just have to look strong. That's true. So just focusing on my diet and all that and really like learning my body and how my body reacts to certain things and different foods and different workouts. I guess it was just kind of learning myself. Mm -hmm. And it's taken it's taken goodness like three or four years to get where I am now. And I'm always a work in progress. But Mm -hmm. there's definitely like certain parts I'd like to make better about my body or and I feel like that's that's always with everyone. But but I love myself and I love who I am and who I'm becoming and that's but, but it's like important. it's like it's like Magnum said though it's 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 you don't have to be strong just look strong yeah. you definitely do it because it gives you a different presence you know when when you like I said you you're, you're bigger than most of the girls so it gives you a whole different gimmick that you can work with yeah and I like it because now I'm starting to I guess test my limits a little bit in the ring I'm trying out new things mm. um I never thought I would have gorilla pressed a woman mm. uh, and you know, now, now I can do that, yeah. but I don't know. It's cool. It's, it's cool to see how the human body 
can develop over time. I don't know. Sure. It's really, really neat to me. How much weight did you put on? I mean, muscle. Goodness, I was up to 150 pounds. And what were you when you started? Uh, right now, I'm probably like 130. But and when I'm not supposed to ask a, a woman, how no, much you're raised. fine. I don't mind. <laughs> you up don't to mind. 150? I was up to 150. And you're 130 now? Yeah. Wow. Just I've leaned out a little bit because I was super. When I I went through a breakup recently and. I, I drowned myself in the gym and just wrestling and everything. Cool. I just wanted to just be the best that I could and just drown myself in it and dieting in the gym and everything. And I got up to like 150 of just muscle. Mm. And I was like strict, strict diet, no cheat days, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm like more flexible. Like I'm about 130, which is kind of where I sit comfortably. Mm -hmm. And that's just like in the gym five, six days a week. So you never trained in high school or anything like that? No, not weight training, just... Because you're musical theater. So were, yeah. you, were you in the high school plays? Oh, yeah. Like, what were you in? I loved it. We did The Music Man. We did uh -huh. Aladdin. We did Grease. <laughs> nice. But I also ran track, too. Oh, okay. Um, Who'd you play in Grease? I was just, like, one of the, like, extra people. Okay. My sister was Rizzo. <laughs> um, in Aladdin, I got to be, like, the... Do you know, like, the little cartoon guys at the beginning that sing, like, the yeah. narrators? I was, yeah, like, yeah. one of them. I was never a star. <laughs> never. <laughs> I was, like, just, always just one of the extra people, but I loved it. I was in uh, Oliver was the one I did in mm -mm. high school. Yeah. I love Oliver. I was Bill, Bill Sykes, the big heel. <laughs> no. Yeah, he gets killed at the end. I fell off the stage. It was How great. fitting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when we're talking about signing with Impact, how did that come about? Did they, were they scouting you? Did you get a call? So they had reached out to me a few times and I was always just like, no, no, that's not for me. No, like I'm always going to be a WWE person. Like that's just not for me. And then I don't know what it was, but something became more attractive about it to me. And they started signing a lot of the more popular talents now. You know, they've got Pentagon, they've got Phoenix, they've got Brian Cage, Sammy Callahan, people who are really, really talented and bigger names right now. And my roommate at the time was Moose. And he's there and he's just persuading me every day, Tessa, you gotta come, Tessa, you gotta come. And so I went one day and I thought it was I thought it was cool. I liked it. I hadn't signed anything yet, you know, just testing the waters and whatnot. The locker room was very inviting. Everyone wanted everyone to do great. Everyone like it wasn't like walking on eggshells or anything. It was just everyone was for everyone. It was really cool. And then Don and Scott and Sanjay, they really care about the end product so they don't mind taking the time to get there they they don't want things to be passable they want things to be great and that's really invaluable to me because i'm learning the tv style it's different for me i don't know i'm i'm, I'm learning from gail and don and scott people who are more knowledgeable than me and i i have a high respect for so it's invaluable to me and i don't know what it was i think it people ask me all the time why'd you sign to impact why and i'm like i just was going with my gut mm -hmm. and it felt right so i did it but it made a difference though that's something that a lot of guys and girls want to do. Like, I want to make a difference. And if you're in WWE, most people aren't going to make a difference. Not in a bad way, but to, to be able to, to turn a company around. Not that you did it single-handedly. There's a lot of people doing it. But it really was one of the, the, the things that I thought made Impact turn that corner to, to start rebuilding. Oh, you know? that's, that's cool to hear you say, too. No, just but, right. I, I really feel that. I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of very, very talented people there. I don't know. I... <laughs> I really like my time at Impact. I really like what they're doing with me there. I like that I have the freedom to. So when I've, uh, for instance, when I've gone to do other things, I've before been told, Tessa, you have to do this move and you have to do this move and you have to do this move. Even if you don't do it well, this is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's been at like a few different companies before I've tried. And they've, they've said, this is what you're doing, even if you don't do it well. But at Impact, what I think is really cool is I have the freedom to decide what I'm doing and I have the platform to be like, to show people this is what I can do and this is who Tessa Blanchard is. And I have full control over how I'm perceived on television. And that's really cool to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've always had like, I feel like what changed, because uh, I'll look at like old matches from early on in my career and I'm still early on in my career. I'm only five years in, but I've completely changed as a person. And I think that that turning point happened in Japan. I, my second tour there. Who, who are you there with? Stardom. Oh, stardom. Yeah. Everyone goes to stardom. Oh, yeah. I feel like all the women go to yeah. stardom, but my second tour there was, I was a part of a tag team. It was me and Jessica Havoc. And I don't know what it was, but something just changed. My hair changed, my gear changed, my moveset changed, my intensity changed, just my whole demeanor, everything. 
and I just took it and ran with it. I don't know what it was, but just something over there. And maybe it's working with those girls because they're some of the hardest hitters. And I, I love that stuff. I love girls that will just like really bring it and you can just tear it up with the Japanese girls. I love it. But explain also to how stardom works. Like it's not like you're going there for a two week tour. Oh, like God, no. New Japan or something. So explain kind of the whole. System. I was there for three months. Mm. Um, I lived in Kamado, which is near. Uh, it's like near Tokyo Dome City, kind of like two stops away on the train. And I was so I lived there for three months. Um, we lived in like a little apartment, all the gaijin, all the foreigners lived in like this little apartment. I'd walk a mile to the train and then I would take the train to Shinkiba and I would walk another mile just to go to the gym. And then I would walk a mile back to the train just to get on the train again to take a few more stops to the dojo, walk two miles to the dojo, two miles right back, go back to the apartment. And I would do that every single day just to train and be in the gym and train and be in the gym. And but one thing that I love over there is the culture is and the food, like it's it's almost impossible to not diet over there. I get in the best shape of my life when I'm over there because you're walking everywhere and then yeah. you're just eating meat and rice everywhere. So they always notice about Japanese women, they always have great calves because they're walking all yeah. over the place. Like you everywhere. definitely they could be super skinny, but they have these calves that are just sticking right out from doing the walk. Like you said, that's all they do. Yeah, that's yeah. all you do. You're just walking and dieting constantly, even if you don't even realize it. <laughs> right. After about two months, though, it was just because it's really lonely over there. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard because. I, I speak a little bit of Japanese, but not fluently. So it was difficult for me a little bit. Like if, if some of the gaijin would leave and I'm only there by myself or there with like only one or two other girls and we're kind of all on different training schedules, it gets lonely. Mm -hmm. um, and you're kind of having to figure out things by yourself. I had to figure out the trains and uh, I, I just had to kind of figure it out. Because it is a completely whole different world there. You know, oh, like yeah. You go to england for example or even germany or something i mean there's still a lot of english and even the writing is still in english but there is you know it's, it's japan so i can see what you're saying by being lonely because even if you're with four or five other gaijings the entire rest of the city is not yeah very japanese right yeah it's it's just so different after about two months i was just like kind of stir crazy Start cracking yeah like all right tessa just four it's more not weeks. Like you guys only work in a couple of days a week too right yeah, well, sometimes it would be we only had one or two shows, but then other times we'd like get back from the show at like maybe midnight and then we'd have to leave at like two or three in the morning to drive a so-and-so hour bus ride all the way across Japan. And then it was like that a lot of the times and the buses were just crazy because all the girls are on one bus and our suitcases are piled up in the aisle. So there's like no room, mm. but I don't know. That's just, that's what they're used to. Yeah. And it's cool to like, I have like a new respect for the Japanese women's wrestlers as well, just because it's a whole different culture and to like be kind of thrown into that. It's it was really neat. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you changed, though, because like I said, we're talking about gaining experience, but life experience. And you're kind of like you said, if you're walking a mile to the gym and walking a mile to the dojo or whatever, that's true commitment. I mean, your head is definitely in it. You know what I mean? Maybe that was something that helped you, like you said, make this change to where now you really want it more than ever. For sure. I think. Also, just I dealt a lot early on. For instance, I broke my shoulder mm -hmm. or my collarbone. I shouldn't say my shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and I had surgery. It's six screws and a plate in here. Wow. And how'd the, you break it? I was wrestling a girl at Lucha Underground. And uh, the girl that did this to me told me, Tessa, I didn't, I didn't have a last name in this business. I had to work for everything that I had. Mm. And that's what she told me. And Things like that would happen quite often where a girl in Japan told me, Tessa, you're only here because of your dad. And that would happen to me like left and right and left and right. And one thing that I pride myself on is my mental strength. I think that a lot of female can't hold a candle to me when it comes to mental strength because that kind of shit doesn't even go in one ear to go out the other. And I believe that if you have that mental strength, you can take any situation and change the way that you think about it and make it a positive thing. Um, and I had I had to find that because those are those are kinds of things that would really eat you up. And I feel like having a name sometimes is a little bit harder because I never want to disappoint my grandpa or my dad or my stepdad. I want to carry on their legacy and do them proud, but also create my own at the same time. And that's really a difficult thing because there's plenty of generational wrestlers who people say that about you're only where you are because of this or because of this or because of this, not because of hard work. Mm. And I was never going to let that be the case. I wanted to go and I wanted to drive the miles for no pay. I wanted to set up the rings. I wanted to set up the chairs. I wanted to go to training six, seven days a week for hours upon hours and 
blow myself up to where I can only work on his instinct. I wanted to sleep in my car. I wanted I wanted to do all of that. You were overcompensating for the fact that you're a Blanchard. You wanted to prove people wrong. Yeah. Even more so. Yeah. I think so. Just because I've always, like I said, I've always, no matter what it is, I want to be great. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best at it. And my last name, I've always said, it might get my foot in the door. It might get me in front of the right people. It might get me an opportunity. But at the end of the day, when I get in the ring, it doesn't do jack shit for me. It doesn't yeah. take the bumps. It doesn't drive the miles. It doesn't, it doesn't well, and, do anything. And, and the pros, there's cons as well. I mean, as, as much as it helps you, it could also hurt you because people are like, oh, comparing you with, you know, Tully Blanchard, like you mentioned, one of the, the greatest four horsemen of all time. And sometimes when you have somebody like David Flair, for example, in WCW, way in over his head, he just wasn't ready for it. And you're making these comparisons to his dad, who happens to be, you know, one of the greatest of yeah. all time. So being a flair hurt him more than it ever helped him. If you're not ready for it, like you said, it doesn't matter what your last name is. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I do like overcompensate a little bit. I want to pay my dues to like an extreme yeah. extent just so that I can be like, no, yeah. I work yeah. hard and I want this and I'm going to be great. But it's going to be because I am great, not because of my name mm. or because of this or because of that. It's going to be because I worked hard and I earned it. Right. And I don't know. I've always had that mindset. When you talked about going to China for the first women's match, tell us a little bit about that. That sounds really interesting. That was like a crazy experience. Because um, when I went to China both times, <laughs> no women were allowed on the show. At all. Maybe, maybe the second time. But the first time we went, no, none at extremely all. Communist. Yeah, extremely communist. Yeah. Like the fans can't even be up near the ring. They've got to be like far right. back. But I went over there. It was... What year was it? Four years ago, yeah, I think. That would be about right. I think four years, yeah. Because we were there in sixteen, and I'm sure, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because I turned twenty match. there. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we went there. It was me. Uh, we went with Ricky Nelson and a group from NWA down there, and we were in Dongguan and Guangzhou, and we wrestled. It was the largest crowd I had re- ever wrestled in front of at the time. It was eighteen thousand people in the Dongguan Arena. How just from an independent wrestling show? Yeah. It was insane. And they were never really, I feel like the Chinese fans hadn't really been exposed to something like that because, you know, they they couldn't have fighting. They couldn't have boxing, MMA, wrestling, anything like that. Nothing. And they told us that it was going to be televised across China after we were already over there. And we're like, that's flipping insane. And so Abilene, Barbie and I, we had the very first ever women's match that got to be televised across China before anyone. And that's something that no one can take from us. That's Super cool to me, but we were there for three weeks, and goodness, those three weeks were hard. For one match, you were there for three weeks. Uh, we had two matches, and we oh were there for gosh, three weeks. Why three weeks? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they they had us there. We did media. Okay. Um, we sightseed the the promoters took us around. We did some dinners. For three um, weeks, but three Jeez weeks, Louise, man. And the food and the culture and everything is so different. And we yeah. were in like. It's even stranger than Japan oh, in China. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's so, so different. Yeah. So different. I think the only thing I ate for three weeks was rice. <laughs> was rice. <laughs> um, and it's like if you walk outside, you can see the air. Mm. That's how like smoggy it is. It's just, mm. it's so different. And their culture, I feel like in parts of China, they look down on women a little bit. So we would be walking on the street and there'd be like older men who just like spit at us. And literally spit at you? Literally spit at us. Really? Because we're American women. Should have clotheslined his ass. Crazy, right? Our <laughs> hotel had like big gates and everything around it. Um, God, it was crazy. Mm. A very, very different experience. Um, you know, we went there the first time we went. I think it was the first time WWE might have ever been there. It was Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And it was part of like some kind of an international festival where the only reason why we were there is because it was like uh, like a cultural festival. So the London Symphony Orchestra played and then like the you know Austrian puppet show was there and then here's WWE. And no women were allowed and they said it was sold out. But when we went there, there was hardly anybody there because the government bought all the tickets and then delegated who they would let sit there because no they were thinking there'd be a riot because we were fighting because they didn't know. So rather than take the chance, they just had nobody in the crowd except for the upper deck was jam packed. And it was really strange. Like you said, the crowd's so strange. Yes. Very strange. They're not exposed to things like that. It's just, yeah. I'd never seen it. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe you're there for three weeks. (laughs) Talk about going crazy. Three months. (laughs) Oh my gosh. For sure. For sure. 
Wow. So when you mentioned Japan and China and you're working at Impact, where else do you work? Because I know you're always going from here. Is it mostly just those in- indies everywhere else that you supplement your Impact shows with? For the most part, yeah. I spend a lot of time in L.A. here now with WOW because I'm helping train some of the newer girls. And it's cool because uh, WOW has found girls from like all different athletic backgrounds. Like there's some girls who are from Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu. There's a girl that owns a gym in Studio City. One of them's a recording artist who uh, did kickboxing and Mm. now she wants to do wrestling. And it's cool because all these girls from different walks of life come together and they love wrestling and they're learning and they're starting from ground zero. And I'm because this is done by the same guy that that created Glow. Yes, David McLean. David McLean. And here we are, 25 years later, and he's and it's, it's wow. Yeah. But there's some elements of kind of the Glow where every girl has some kind of a character. For sure. But you don't. I feel <laughs> I'm Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, right, right, right yeah. <laughs> Just the character. But that's good though. So what 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 uh, um, attracted you to to signing with Wow? Well, actually, I David had reached out to me and. At the time, I had just signed to Impact, so I was like, I can't do it. Sorry. And then David went and contacted Impact and was like, hey, we want we want to use Tessa. And Scott then reached out to me and was like, uh, Tessa, if you want to do this, you can do this. It sounds like they have a really cool vision for women's wrestling and where they want it to go and how they want it to be perceived. Um, it sounds like a great opportunity. If you want to do it, do it. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And I just jumped. I think it's great, though. Once again, it's a, it's a big get for them and gives them a little bit of like a credibility as well. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. have you involved with it. Then that's not just Jungle Girl and these girls, which is great. But now you're there as well. That kind of is the bridge that people go up to Tessa's. Oh, I want to check it out. That's what David is saying to me is he thinks it gives it a little bit more validity because mm-hmm. I've been out traveling and doing uh, wrestling and real wrestling fans know who I am. But now they're being introduced to these new characters who they're seeing for the first time. Mm-hmm. Girls like The Beast and uh, this girl, Faith. Uh, they're all really, really talented girls. Are they girls that are just starting from scratch? From they... scratch. Wow. So we have a training school in Long Beach and we'll go there five days a week. And I'm really passionate about basics. George South drilled basics into us. And I feel like it's really important because if you don't know your basics, they're going to come back to bite you in the it's ass. the foundation. Oh. If you don't have a strong foundation, your house collapses. It's so important because some people I feel like are dealt a hand of cards where it's like they'll get a lot of exposure really early but then it kind of comes back to bite them and they have to humble themselves and go back and learn their basics. But it, I, I can't stress enough. I think it's so important. Um, and I'm super passionate about helping people with just those things. I don't know everything, but one thing I'm super confident about is my basics. Right. Hitting the ropes, footwork, bumping, those kinds of things. Isn't it amazing how many people hit the ropes wrong? <laughs> right? I see it all the time. And that was something that even I was trained you know, in 1990, but it was you know, in Calgary with the Stu Hart kind of training uh, uh, regimen yeah and rope running was so important one it's two so three four important. with the you know i see people hit ropes wrong and that just drives me crazy it drives it really me does. i just want to jump into the tv and say you're doing it wrong i don't know where that where that got lost in translation because people like even at nxt are hitting the ropes wrong who's training to hit the ropes i don't know i'm that's one thing George just he drilled into us. And if I talked back or if I did it wrong, I was bumping 50 times and then we were doing it again. Yeah. And that's just that's the way he drilled it into us. And after a two hour practice, uh, Cedric and I would be in the ring for 45 minutes and George would call us our match as we're having it. That's cool. Just to drill basics into us. Just basics, basics, basics. So I, I don't know. I'm super passionate about I feel like it's so important. So you're in this in the wild dojo training the girls. Are you yeah. the main trainer? No, Selena. She was Bambi back in the day. She's oh. the head trainer. Oh, yeah, yeah. From like the Tennessee? Yeah. Mullet? The mullet? Yep, yeah, the yeah. mullet. The mullet. <laughs> She's had the same hair for 35 years. Yep, it doesn't yeah. change. She, Bambi was always versus Peggy Lee Levin. Yep, yes. <laughs> oh, I try to get her to pull the mullet back. She just won't do oh, it. Oh, it's the little feather on the front. Yep, it's still, still we, we, there. Kentucky waterfall. Still there. <laughs> wow. So she's the main trainer. She's the main trainer. Wow. And then I'll just, I get in the ring and I'm kind of the more action with the girls and Selena's on the outside or actually hell, sometimes she's in there bumping around. Mm-hmm. I can't stop her. She still loves it. <laughs> but yeah, so the, and those girls, they love it. And I think one thing that's cool about it is none of those girls come off the independent circuit or they're starting from scratch. So you eliminate egos altogether. Mm-hmm. Like 
they're completely checked at the door and everyone just pushes each other and everyone's helping each other and everyone wants to they, they watch so much wrestling and they'll come with videos and i think a few came with videos of you they're like teach me this can you teach me this and and i love it because they're so hungry they have their notebooks and they're wrestling and they they just love it and they want to learn more and they want to learn more and some training runs late and it runs early all the time just because they just want to learn they they love it and i don't know i think that's the coolest thing it's very cool it's 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 that's surprising, but it's it's interesting to me that with all of the wrestling that's going on, that WoW starts, and then you're finding other girls that just want to wrestle, and it's like they're doing kind of TV wrestling only, but they still have to learn how to be wrestlers. Like, it's just... It's cool. It's like this own little planet out here of, of 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 women of wrestling that has nothing to do with the knockouts in Ring of Honor or the the D, the not divas. We can't say that anymore. The women in WWE, and it's it's interesting to me. I think it's cool because I don't think WoW is looking to compete with anyone. I think it just offers an alternative. It's own little world, yeah, yeah, and it still keeps the glow aspect, which is fun, is the characters and the backstories and. I think people get more invested because they're learning. For instance, Kira Hogan, she's on our show as Fire, and she's Kira Hogan on Impact. Impact. Yeah. yeah. But now people are connecting with her more because they're seeing her backstory and why she's here and who she is. And then it shows her in the ring and they collide with the different characters. It's really, really cool. Um, there's one girl, Princess Ozzy, and she. Uh, we went and filmed her stuff down at uh, Rancho Palos Verdes. We hiked down this mountain and put her out in the water with the tribesmen and filmed it. And it was just, it's so cool. <laughs> the production value of this show, I think, is it far exceeds anything else on television with wrestling, I think. It's it's really, really neat. It's cool to me that Access is, is airing it, too, because they have New Japan and wow, it's like that's a pretty cool lineup for wrestling, if you ask me. Hell yeah. yeah. And Access has been nothing but great. I feel like they're all great people. Um, and they've been really pushing wow. I feel like the debut this week was just so successful. I heard it did really well. Right? Oh, it was yeah. just insane. Social media and everything has just been blowing up about it. And that's great because this is kind of a passion project for David and Selena that's been going on for 18 plus years. Mm. And it's kind of all just coming to full fruition now. What's the plan? Uh, do you guys do like monthly tapings or we do just, road shows? Like what's the idea? I think that's that's kind of in the works. They've talked about touring a little bit. There's a few different things in LA that they're lining up. But we filmed episodes one through eight at the Belasco in downtown LA about a few months ago. And then we'll be filming season two coming up here shortly. So they're just doing it like that and then hopefully end goal they want to do live shows eventually so how long does it take to film eight episodes we were there for two days two days of tapings but then we were there we spent the whole beginning of the week filming the pre-tapes and backstage stuff and then they fix everything all together in post-production it's great the thing i was going to ask you about too is is we talked earlier about the match that you had with brian cage or that maybe there's been a few of them and the really good matches and it's kind of the um it's a very polarizing uh topic of the intergender matches so you like doing them i do they're some of my favorite and and reason i think that's a huge reason for why i am the athlete that i am today is wrestling with guys cedric one person that i just i can't put him over enough is and he's a huge reason for why i am as intense as i am in the ring um is training with guys uh i i i I don't know what it is but i feel like For instance, talking about a match with a guy, I feel like timing, transitions, positioning, things like that, they think in a different way than women do. And it's forced me to step up my game, if that makes sense. And then I've wrestled people like Brian Cage, A.R. Fox, David Starr, uh, Tracy Williams, some guys who I think are just absolutely phenomenal. And then I'm I'm working with them on our match and I, I feel like I just have to elevate my game. And then when I'm in there... I don't know what it is, but something just takes over and I'm more intense. I'm more aggressive and I've kind of like adopted this whole new persona when I wrestle guys. And now it's just kind of stuck with me in all my matches. And I feel like wrestling guys has done that for me. It's just turned up my intensity to a whole nother level and helped me elevate my game and my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And when I think of ideas now, like I'm not as closed off. I have more of a broad idea, I guess. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's just... It's helped me a lot. It's interesting because off, like when I was watching some Lucha Underground, there's a lot of intergenders. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I like this. But I was like, wait a second. My very first angle ever in WWE was against China. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, dude, you were intergendering too. 
I think that's the difference for me, though, is if it's believable. I think there's a way to do there's it. There's a way to do it. It doesn't you know have I mean? to be the guy looking at the girl as an eagle and just punching her and hitting right. her. That, uh, that's not the right way, obviously. Mm. But for instance, my match with Brian, I felt like we did a great job of telling a story and and you know he didn't he didn't punch me or hit me even yeah, one that, time. That's one thing. I, I, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, that to me is a little bit crossing the line for some reason. The visual of a guy punching. I don't a think woman it's necessary. You got to sell it, but yeah. you guys didn't do that. He, no, he yeah. didn't do it one time. And I think I don't know. I just I think that there's a way to do intergender wrestling, and a lot of people just don't give it a chance. Mm-hmm. They just write it off right away because it's man versus woman. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's 2018, so <laughs> I think I don't know. More people are open to the idea now. So you're you're constantly working, like we mentioned, all over the country, all over the world. Do you book your own schedule? Do you have something that helps you with that? Some stuff, yes. Um, Bill Barons is my agent usually, and he helps me stay so organized because yeah. just the flights and the travel. Like San and the, Antonio, Chicago, Detroit, Dallas. It's like, too it's much. Like man. <laughs> I was like, I, I would get lost figuring it out. But he, he keeps me so organized. So like before every travel week, he'll send me an email and it has my... I'm going here on Friday. Here's your point of contact. Here's your hotel. Here's your travel situation. Here's your flights. Saturday. Here's Saturdays. And it just, it's all organized. And it helps me so, so, so much. Did you um, do some work on, on Paige, Paige's movie? Yeah. Fighting My Family? Fighting yeah, it's funny because we, uh, we were just talking about that when we drove up uh, to Access today. I remember hearing that you were involved in that. I was the stunt double for Paige. Oh, wow. So all the- For Paige's actress. Paige's actress. Who was it? Were Emily or was it Emily? Florence. Or? Emily Florence is her name? Florence Pugh is her Florence name. Florence Pugh. Yes. I was way off. You're fine. <laughs> but so I did all the wrestling and the workouts, all the athletics I did for her. So we were out here in LA for a few months and stayed in Studio City and we filmed and then we had the main event at the Staples Center here. It was like During a, a WWE show, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So it was the, um, they, tra- they treated it as like an extension of Raw. So after Raw went off the air, they... Dwayne brought all of us out and we just we filmed the show, which was really cool to me. Who we, else was involved? Uh, Thea Trinidad played AJ Lee. That's Selena Vega. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And she got to do the stunts for that. Um, so you were technically wrestling with her? Yes. Yeah. Her and I had the match here. Vince Vaughn is playing the head coach of NXT. The Rock is in it. Uh, Florence, she plays Paige. You get Lena Headey, who was in Game of sure, Thrones. Sure, of course, yeah. But so uh, Nick Frost is the dad. Nick Frost. So, but what I'm saying, like when you did that show, uh, the match at the Staples Center, yeah. Rock brought you guys out. Yeah. And then it was just you two guys having a single match. Yes. And was Rock standing out there, like making sure people were paying attention? Or? Well, he he got on the microphone. He was like, "We're going to bring Tessa Blanchard and Thea Trinidad out," and I'm like. This is so cool. <laughs> did he explain it was for a he movie? He did explain. Yeah. He explained what was going on because then the actress had to go and get the facials and whatnot so that my face wasn't showing. How long did that take? God, we were there until three or maybe three in the morning that did night. Did people stay? No, no. After after we filmed the match, they left. And then we gotcha. did the close-ups. Gotcha. And the, so you do kind of the basic shots. Yeah, they piped and draped there. around the ring just so yeah. they could fix everything. But that whole experience was really neat. The Rock came and trained with us and went to the studio, got in the ring with us, rolled around. And he's like such a down to earth guy yeah. who really, really cares about details and just he really got into that project. Yeah. Oh, he was so invested in each one of us. It was really, really the, neat. The, was it WrestleMania? It was, I think it was 16 in Dallas. Oh, Rock brought Stephen Merchant. Oh, yeah. Directed it mm-hmm. to kind of the area where we were going over stuff to pick people's brands. I talked to him for about 20 minutes to Steven about what wrestling is. Cause he knew nothing. Yeah. He just had seen the documentary on Paige's family and thought it'd be interesting to make a movie. So he, I was explaining to him what kayfabe means and what a push means and everything. Yeah. Uh, That's so he, cool how they yeah. like, they want to learn about it and they dive head in. Same thing with Vince Vaughn came to the studio one day and he just wanted to talk to us about wrestling so that he could learn more about his, his character. character. Right. He took a few bumps. We taught him how to hit the ropes, everything. Like he just wanted to like learn about his character. It's so funny though, to me, how, how did you get that booking? They've got 18,000 girls at the PC and they pick Tessa. Who's not even signed there. That was really funny to me actually because I got a call and they said and WWE was like hey Tessa we're sending you a plane ticket to California we'll tell you more when you get there tomorrow and I'm like okay I'm there they were like pack for three days or three weeks I didn't tell you anything nothing 
So I get there, a car picks me up, I go to my hotel, they tell me an address to be at at what time. I go there, it's a studio, and there's like a WWE ring set up, Dave Taylor's there, uh, Theo was already there, and it was me and two other girls. And they asked to just see us roll around a little bit. They had told us at this point what it's for, and we're rolling around a little bit. They asked us about a few different moves, if we knew how to take them or if we could, if we were comfortable. And then in about three hours, they told me to stay and told the other two to go. And they set, they set me up with a person where they gave me a place to stay and everything. And I ended up staying for much longer than three weeks, but it was cool. We were in the studio every day working on this one match that we were going to have at the Staples Center. But then it turned into I had to learn eight matches where because they, they weren't originally going to bring me to the UK. They were going to use someone else in the UK. And then after the Staples Center, they were like, hey, we need you to fly to the UK. So they flew me there and I stayed there for a few months and I did everything else there. So I don't know. It was it was a long so strange, project. But it, right? was, it was Did so you have cool. to cancel all your other bookings at the time or did a you have a few? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the promoters were really understanding. Yeah. So, yeah making a yeah. movie with The Rock. I, I'm thinking like maybe it's because you have long black hair like Paige does. But they did this. Oh, okay. I, I didn't have ha- hair like her or anything. They dyed my hair black. They what colors a, your hair? It's like light brown. Oh, okay. I just looked like an average girl. It's just, it's just so random to me that they called you. Right? Yeah. You think and like, could you, you could call me to come work for you too now. Right? It was yeah. so, so random. Hmm. But then right after filming, then Thea got signed and she went, she went on to WWE. And I was, I thought something was going to happen for me after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it didn't. And <laughs> actually, I think everything plays out the way it's supposed to because... I'm so glad things have played out the way they have that I'm that I haven't been signed there or anything. I got I did get to be a part of their May Young Classic, the first one, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I got to wrestle Kyrie there and one thing that was really cool to me though was when we were filming the movie here after the after the match, uh the Rock's agent came over to Thea and I. We were just in the backstage area talking and he goes, "Hey, Dwayne wants to see you guys in his dressing room. Can you guys come?" So we went, we met his family and everyone that was in there. And he had no idea that it was that I was my dad's daughter. Mm. He just thought that it was like a indie name right. that I had. And he he had no idea. And before he told me that, he just he was complimenting me on my work and as a wrestler and he had no idea. So to me that was like really really special because yeah. He had no idea that I was my dad's daughter and he thought I was good. Right. Once again, it's not your last name that got you in the door. That was just like the coolest thing in the world to me. When does that movie come out? February 14th. Oh, are they having a premiere? So it's coming up soon. Yeah. Are you going to go to the premiere? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Last couple things uh, as we wind down Mm here. You guys have been having some great matches. You and Taya Valkyrie on Impact. Had you worked with her before? She's another girl who's kind of been around the world, at least Mexico, uh, to kind of yeah. learn and, and grow there outside of the system. Her and I had one, maybe two matches on the indies, very short, mm. um, maybe like six, eight minutes, but nothing really. And then, I don't know, we, we had our first match at Impact and we just clicked. Mm. I don't know, I, re- I really enjoy working it's with great her. Great chemistry, yeah. Yeah, we have some of, some of my most favorite matches that I've had, mm. um, more that are going to be coming up and airing on Impact, but... I don't know. It's kind of a cool pairing that Impact put together. Mm, it works. What uh, are you are you surprised at how big women's wrestling has become over the last couple of years, or did you always kind of see it coming? Because it's been a real sea change from you know fifteen, sixteen to to nineteen to where here we are with another women's company starting. Is that something that you thought was going to happen? I don't think if it's something that I really like put a focus on. That's what I thought was going to happen, but. I've always thought, like, I don't think there's such thing as a man's sport. I think that there's just sports itself. And now there's just a more, like, more of a focus on women as athletes. We're looked at as athletes now, yeah. um, which is a really neat thing. And then I think girls like, for instance, Gail Kim, I think she's one of the best in the world as a woman's wrestler. And she was one of the people that were fighting for women's wrestling to be what it is now back then. And I don't think that she quite gets the acknowledgement for that. But then you get girls like Charlotte Flair and Becky and Sasha who are also fighting for that and who can go in there and they can go toe to toe with the guys. And that's one of the reasons I love intergender wrestling, because it shows, you know, girls can get in there and we can go toe to toe with the best of them. We can hit just as hard. We can be just as aggressive. You know, we can go out there and we can tear it up. And now just women are have more of a platform to do that. And we're given the time to do that. You know, it's legit now at impact. 
I had a match recently that had two commercial breaks. And you know that doesn't that doesn't happen that right that never happened before we had four minutes yeah um, yeah 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 so that that that's really a cool thing to just see how it's progressed and where it's going and you know who knows where it's going to be a year two years from now with everything that's happening 2019 is going to be like a crazy year for crazy wrestling year. you know it's funny when you just mentioned Charlotte Flair like oh my gosh there's no brainer Flair versus Blanchard you know. <laughs> 2019 and 2020 2021 do you think you'll ever end up in WWE eventually at some point i'm not sure or do you want to i think that my dream has changed a little bit mm. i'm not i've stopped thinking too far ahead um i find that's kind of where i get in my head too yeah. much and i start to worry and but living in the moment and just going with my gut and what feels right has been working so far i don't know i i would love to share the ring with ashley one day she's She's one of the best in the world, in my opinion. Mm. There's a bunch of girls there that I would love to share the ring with. Natty being one of them. Mm. You know, she's another, another third one, generation. Yeah. True. And being third generation woman, yeah. that's that's rare. So That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, exactly. That would be cool. I don't know. I have a few dream matches there. I don't know if they would be there, if they'd be somewhere else. Or What other dream matches do you have? Um, <laughs> Natty, Charlotte, uh, China, of course. Yeah, that yeah. would just be cool. Because um, I get that's compared. A video, that's a video game match. You can get her character. <sighs> right. Character, yeah. I've got because I've gotten compared to her a few times, and I'm like, that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a few dream matches against men, even. Yeah. You, I oh, would love to wrestle. Codebreaker versus Codebreaker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You know, the thing is, the the best thing is, like you said, 2019 uh, and forward, you don't have to work in WWE to to to, to make money to make money and make a living and, and have name value. I mean. You know, especially now, even in my case with AEW, it's 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 a really good time to be a wrestler and to be a wrestling fan. For sure, I don't think yeah. you have to be even under any type of contract to make a living in this business right. anymore. And what a cool way to be! I mean, the Bucks did it for years. Oh yeah, you know, and they can kind of just write their ticket anywhere yeah. now. And AEW, I think it's going to be so successful, and it's going to be a really really cool thing to see unravel this year. Mm-hmm. Along with everything else. Last question for you. What's your favorite match that you ever had? I want to say my match against Brian Cage, just because that there was one, a couple of them. Was it the first one? My first one that I had at Wrestle Circus in Austin, Texas. I think that's one of my favorite matches that I've had because that I was going through like a really hard time in life and just everything was kind of hitting me really hard at the same time. And Brian was really there for me. He's like one of my best friends in wrestling mm. and he was really, really there for me. And I think just before that match, even there was kind of like just a point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Everything's just hitting me so hard. <laughs> um, but I think I used that in the match. And Brian just got, there was a point in the match where Brian has me up in the turnbuckle and he's like holding me from behind. And I look back and I'm like, Brian, I'm scared. And he was like, it's OK, baby girl, I got you. <laughs> and we just went for it. And afterwards, he cut this promo and. It didn't make sense to a lot of people, but to me, it made sense, and it it just really, really helped me. So mm-hmm. probably that match, just because it meant more yeah, to me. That's the one. How about your favorite <laughs> musical uh, of all time? My favorite musical, yeah. Les Mis. Ah, there or you go. Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. They're kind of tied. <laughs> I like them both. <laughs> awesome talking to you, Tessa. Thank oh, you. Thank Glad you we so finally much. got to do this. Yes. I'm gonna go watch Wow and watch you beat up all those girls. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so Tessa Blanchard takes on Gail Kim this Sunday at Impact Wrestling's Rebellion pay-per-view in Toronto. You can watch it on the Fight TV app. World champion Johnny Impact will also be defending his title as well against Brian Cage. What a feud that is. And also follow Tessa on the Twitter at Tess underscore Blanchard. Uh, She's great. Go check her out. You'll be very impressed. I know I was. Uh, Speaking of being impressed, you still have a chance to book your cabin for the upcoming Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2. Setting sail January 20th, 2020. Why is there so many 20s? Because this vacation can be 20 times better than any other you've ever had. Uh, it's nearly sold out. We're getting closer to the 84, 85% region. You got to book soon if you want to come on the best vacation ever. Hang out with all the killer Hall of Famers and talent, musicians and podcasters that are going to be on the cruise. Rick Flair, the uh, NWO Wolfpack, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and X Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Booker T, Queen Charmel, MVP, Brad Williams. Vicky Guerrero, Shaw Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Jack Slade, Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson, Fozzie, Farewell to Fear, Rubik's Cube, Killer Queen, The Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, Kickaxe, AEW Wrestling will be there. We haven't even started to announce the uh, performers from AEW that will be there. I'm sure Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Cody, we're going to get to those very, very soon. 
DDP will be there, Beyond the Darkness. Uh, so many great uh, talents and activities and live podcasts. Uh, great comedians, Bruce Jingle, Sarah Tiana is going to be there. Do not miss out on this. Anybody that went last year knows how much fun it was. We want you to join us. Book now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We've sold more cabins in the first 10 weeks than we did in the first 10 months last time. So get your cabins soon. This will sell out. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And go check out FozzyRock.com to see all the dates coming up, uh, including the mini tour, uh, spring mini tour, May 15th in Greenville, South Carolina, May 16th, Greensboro, North Carolina, May 17th, Virginia Beach at the Lunatic Luau, May 18th, the MMR Barbecue at Camden, New Jersey, at the BB&T Pavilion, that's a lot of initials, July 12th, Mansfield, Ohio, at Incarceration, and we're doing a huge West Coast run, 20 shows in September, based around the Big Iron Maiden gig on September 14th, the Bank of California Stadium. The Unleashed in the West Tour starts September 5th in Denver, Colorado. FozzyRock.com, all dates and ticket information, uh, VIP packages available at FozzyRock.com as well. One of the best meet and greets in the business. And don't forget, on Saturday, I'll see you at for the Love of Wrestling convention uh, in Liverpool. So many cool things coming up, so we'll see you there. Uh, have a great weekend, and coming up on Wednesday... Uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, well, actually, we don't know, we're not sure yet. You're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I'm not, not going to give you guys all the surprises here. But just know it's going to be another action-packed, fun-filled show. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy.